Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And before I uh, introduce our co-host, I just want to say, hope you all enjoyed a very happy, festive holiday season. Uh, For those of you that did celebrate, Merry Christmas to you. For those of you that didn't, I hope you enjoyed your time with your families and also the time off work. Uh, I know I definitely did. Um, And yeah, kind of getting into it, Sam and uh, Andres are here to join me as always. So I'll start off with Sam. Sam, how you doing, man? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's about fucking time, Zach. It's about fucking time for two different things. about time we're back recording because we missed three matches since the last time we recorded and it's about time we fucking get back on the win to get another win uh you know after since the last time we recorded we had an ugly 1-1 draw against Everton another ugly nil-nil draw to Wolves and we were just dropping points left and right so this win was huge we came in today's match with only three wins in our past eight um, you know, dealing with injuries and COVID. So today was huge. I'm really, I'm, I was so happy with the performance. How about you, Andreas? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, just like you, I'm very happy we got the three points again. I enjoyed my Christmas this year as well. Um, I got a Reese James yellow jersey, and then the first day I put oh, yeah. it on, he scores an own goal. So <laughs> time to throw <laughs> that in the closet. Jersey. I got I got a little scared that I was the jinx that was gonna ruin this Boxing Day, but sure enough, the boys pulled through. Lukaku is back, and yeah, I'm excited to talk Chelsea after finally getting three points again. What when was your jersey ordered, Andres? Out of curiosity, because I ordered a Mason Mount jersey. Uh, around Black Friday, actually on Black Friday, and it's not I even believe... coming till February. Oh, oh, well, I believe mine was yeah. ordered, so it was a gift from my parents, and I believe I told them about it, specifically being uh, Reese James, uh, maybe a week before Thanksgiving. Ah, uh, damn! Maybe they so beat that me to week, the punch. that week saved you an extra two months. Damn. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But it's a nice jersey. Got the yellow kit. So I was literally wearing today's uniform. Yeah. And then Reese, yeah, unfortunately had What that a header, goal, though. So. No, what a header, though. You got to give him credit. <laughs> he, added, he added pace to the yeah. ball and it. Yeah. I mean, that was that was an unsavable shot, honestly. Top, top quality from the best right back in the world. Uh-huh. Um, all right, let's hop in. Villa one, we mentioned that uh, own goal, Chelsea three. Um, so our starting lineup, Mendy in goal, a back three of Rudy, Thiago Silva, and Chalobinho. Uh, our wing backs were Reese James and Marcus Alonso, the Jorgolo double midfield pairing, uh, and a front three of Mount Pooley and Cho. So let's talk about that front three because yet again we're playing that front three out of necessity. Um, not much rotation uh, is possible. I know Lukaku returned today. Obviously, we'll get into him, um, but 
you know, he's coming back from COVID, so I think a start was out of the question. Um, but, you know, out of those those front three, Mount had a couple of, of bad misses, especially that one after getting around the keeper. That was a really bad miss. Um, Puli, again, he looked mediocre playing out of position, starting as striker, then was moved to right wing back at half. But Cho, Cho had a very, very nice game. Um, we got a Twitter question from Barry Brunch, at Baroque Brunch. He said, was Cho man of the match? Uh, Zach, with one assist, you won the pen. 20 out of 24 passes completed. One out of two accurate crosses, which one of them being the assist. Um, and four out of four accurate long balls. Was Cho man of the match for you? Uh... Yeah, I think I think you can make a shout for him being man of the match. I think out of the starting front three, he was definitely the biggest threat. Um, every time he got the ball, he looked decisive. He was making his decisions quickly, um, pretty much playing like he had a point to prove, which is something that I know we as, as fans and all of us on this podcast have been talking about also. So um, overall, I thought it was a good performance from him. The thing is, he still should have gotten that goal. It, it kind of bummed me out that he didn't. He had two opportunities, actually. He had a snapshot in the first half, and then the second half, Kovacic literally gave up a tap-in to get an assist. And Cho, you know, passed it right to the keeper. So um, that's that's a bit of a concern, the fact that, you know, he can't put the ball in the back of the net. But besides that, I mean, he did everything else that you would want your attacking player to do in this game, creating chances, running out defenders. Um, Something that I wrote down in my notes that I noticed was when he was receiving the ball – the decisions he was making were the, the the decisions that he was making were quick, but if it wasn't on for him, he'd find the switch quickly. And instead of taking two or three extra touches and allowing the center mids to shift out or the outside fullback to shift out and cover that space, he was able to switch the ball out to Reese James multiple times on the right hand side. Um, and and you know he found a lot of room there too. So that's just something I noticed. But um, overall, it was a good performance from him. Definitely a man of the match worthy in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that he's my second place for man of the match as well. Uh, I think bar finishing, he had a fantastic game. I think as of right now, he has to be our starting left winger. Like we always talk about Mount being the the for sure name on the right. Even before he had that little stint where he was out because of COVID, he was making that left wing his own. And for him to bounce back from whether it was the Omicron, whatever it was that he had, that quickly and to kind of remind us why he got at 1.7 starts in a row. Um, I think it's huge. I think it's extremely important, especially with, again, the congested, excuse me, the congested uh, fixture list. But I just want to see Cho shoot with his laces, man. I I don't think I've ever seen him take a shot where he just kind of powers through it. And I, I don't know why that is. So for me, it's, it's the one thing that is still missing. And I think that he can get there. I'll use this example again. Vinicius Jr. was allergic to shooting for the last two seasons at Real Madrid. And this year he's banging them in. So, again, just something that he needs to work on. But I think the left wing position is chose uh, to lose right now. Yeah, I uh, just want to say something on that. I mean, as I, I'm not opposed to having Cho play, you know, as our starting left winger, quote unquote, but... You know, we were making the same argument for Ziyech a few weeks ago when he was in form. And whenever Pulisic plays out there, we seem to kind of fit the argument and for him to play out there. 
what is the actual solution? Because it seems like each of these guys come in, Cho most recently, you know, comes into this position and plays extremely well for a big run of games. We saw Ziyech do it earlier this season. Um, injuries kind of held him back. And then Pulisic's kind of being forced to play everywhere because of the injury situation. So he really hasn't even, I don't even think he had a fair chance. He started the first two matches and then got hurt. So what is the real solution? I mean, is it, it is it actually fair to say that this guy's our starting left winger? Because I think the real only bona fide starters in, those, in that front three is going to be Lukaku and Mount. And that third slot, I think it's always going to be up for grabs depending on the opponent. And I think the solution is to let these players like the hot players stay till he's no longer hot because rotating every single week isn't benefiting any of those wingers. They can't mm-hmm. find any rhythm. They can't build chemistry. They, every time they play, they play with new people. So for me, it's like, let Cho play. I, I think he looks comfortable. He looked threatening. He was in the right place. You mentioned it. Speed of play is there. Let him keep playing there. And, and you know, if you need to, you rotate, you give Mount a break here and there, you know, like, you don't have to have a new front three every single week. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, Andreas. Like, how do you balance uh, playing the hot hand, uh, more or less, and rotating out of necessity because of, you know, schedule congestion? Right. Um, I mean, you kind of look at the fixture list, prioritize matches where, you know, the front three as a as a whole or as a majority gets shifted, but you don't shift, like, ZX plays right winger one week, then next week he's playing in the middle, or maybe in the next week he's the more of the 10 guy. Like, I think that's where the situation gets mm-hmm. tricky. It's, you meant, we mentioned Polisic being the left winger at one point. We mentioned, uh, then it comes back to Cho. Then Cho's playing at wing back. It's like that, that sort of, <laughs> yeah, we still have Timo Werner and all this. The, the mixing and matching of positions, like, I get it that it's a fluid front three, but at the same time, if you're used to dribbling a player from the right side of the pitch, the way you approach that sort of, you know, one-on-one is different than when you approach it as a player that's on the left side of the Mm -hmm. pitch. So I think just a little bit of consistency of where these guys are deployed would go a long way for our productivity as a team overall. You saw that today um, when Pulisic went uh, out wide to the right side, he, you know, made a lot of moves where he had to cut in and he was on his left foot. So, you know, like he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do, which is cut it inside and shoot. You know, he had to back out and pass it out back. I I do want to mention seeing Pulisic out. (laughs) This is going to strike a lot of people, maybe maybe some of them the wrong way. But seeing Pulisic, even though he was deployed as a wing back, playing out wide was really, really refreshing. I want to see him play there more. I want to see that sort of experimented with a bit more because i think if we have a point of reference like lukaku in the match having an attacking player in one of the wing back positions wouldn't be as much as a of a deficit because now you have somebody that you could play the ball into and then allow those players to join the attack and kind of fill in those gaps or you know jump in wherever they feel needed and i felt like that's mm-hmm. what Pulisic was doing here he was finding his space um and he was running out defenders which is what he's best at not necessarily you know playing with his back to goal not saying that christian Pulisic's a wing back and i exclusively want to see him deployed there but i think situations like this where we need a goal or we get kind of stagnant offensively and the other side really isn't showing us too much 
um on the counter like villa they really weren't a huge threat to us on and they were also they're also they're also playing very narrow which yeah he he had a lot of freedom on the wing so that was you know you didn't have a lot of pressure and we utilize that space. And I think that's something that Tuchel told the team as well, because, you know, the first time Cho played that switch that I mentioned earlier, Tuchel got up out of his seat and applauded him. And he kept pointing over to that side. Every time the ball would shift over to the left, he'd always point back to the right because there's always space. So if Pulisic could fill in those gaps and Cho's finding those openings, like Andres said, it would be a... I mean, I mean that might be something that, that we could work through also. But I think the bigger thing here is that we're getting something out of Pulisic, not necessarily just thrusting him into a position just to fill up a number on the pitch. Yeah, and and just to add on what you you were mentioning about Cho, um, you know the stats back up what you were saying. Uh, I mean, according to Sofa Score, he only had one dribble attempt the whole match. So yeah. you know that's not something that you know normally you see Cho playing with the ball running around and. You know, he was a lot more precise and quick with his decision making, getting the ball out of his feet when it wasn't necessary. So, how many total he, touches did he have, Sam? Out of curiosity, forty-three, and he only attempted one dribble. Yeah, yeah. See, the, yeah, that just tells you how fast he's thinking. Yeah, so he's I one mean, step was, ahead. It 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 which is a which is really refreshing to see, and a big change of pace of what we normally see from him. Um, all right, let's talk about the return of Big Rom. Um, he changed the match completely with a goal, uh, a nice header, uh, and an amazing run. Like, this is the kind of run that we had been dreaming about for a while, getting past every defender, winning that pen when he was the last man. Should have been a red, in my opinion. Um, maybe he made a play for the ball. I don't know. It's up for interpretation. Um, it was his first league goal, uh, you know, with all the injuries and everything. His first league goal since September 11th. I, I, wow. I How do I remember that date? Because you never forget. Um, but <laughs> it's amazing what having a proper striker can do for you, huh, guys? He's back, baby. Who would have thought that a fit loop that it was a fitness thing? Wow, crazy thought that a big, strong, athletic uh, striker needs his athleticism to succeed. Who would have thought? By the way, Zach muted himself because he's laughing his ass off at my joke. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. At this point. <laughs> Fucking Christmas! It's, it's, it's Boxing Day. And, never uh, forget, Zach. Never forget. Um, remember the name remember the name remember the name uh no i think kind of just to piggyback what you were saying andres it's it's more refreshing than anything to see him get that goal um but the way he took it i think was even more important because that showed somebody that was just completely hungry um it's not necessarily a player that will get down on himself after missing a chance or two is he um but, but what i liked especially about it was what he said after the match and he basically said, you know, we've we've dropped so many points um, in the last couple matches that we got to play every single match like it's a like it's a fucking cup final. Basically, a rally cry from a veteran player that's been around the block, who's won league titles, um, who has the right to say that kind of shit. So let's see how the boys respond to it. I mean, I think that's that's the most important thing here is. You know, you got Big Rom back in the side. He's going to get you your goals, but he's also going to get you that fuck you, I'm going to get mine mentality. 
Um, and if that means taking your head off to do it, I'm going to do it. And, and, and I think some of those players definitely need a little shakeup in the sense of, you know, realizing how important results are at this stage of the season. Um, but yeah, Andres, I, I don't know if you have anything to kind of add to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, notice how when Lukaku isn't played as a target man, he gets himself a goal and he earns a penalty. He was playing facing the goal and good things happened. We mentioned Cho kind of moving quickly and looking for Lukaku. I think that the longer, you know, our players take touches, the less he becomes a threat. Lukaku's positioning is amazing. He's quicker than his size would say. So, like, when he makes those runs, it's it's just a matter of finding him. He's not going to do too much in the box. He's just going to try to get the shot off. And he gets his header. He gets the goal. We talked about the the run earlier. You know, had he not gotten clipped from behind, I don't doubt that that would have scored either. So, again, just let Lukaku face the goal. That's when he's most threatening and when he can even become a playmaker if he doesn't create a shot for himself. So, yeah, that's that's the only thing I wanted to point out. I, I think, to me, he was my man of the match. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it's so, so relieving to see him score that first goal. Um because that it really was a striker's goal. That's a goal that we've seen time and time again our players not put away. And he's the guy who does. And even when he was playing, you know, when he uh, he was missing a couple chances like that as well, I'm officially saying Lukaku's back and everyone should be mm-hmm. terrified. Everyone should be absolutely fucking terrified. I think that's what he was trying to get across, yeah. You, you know, that that run was, at first I thought it was like very reminiscent of something that Diego Costa would do in his prime. I thought of West Ham at the bridge where he bumped a center back off the ball, put him on his ass, and got us a game winner. But then I'm yeah. also thinking, no, wait, that's prime Drogba. Because we used to just lump the ball up there and defender, defenders would bounce off of him and he would get his. It, it, it's it's sort of a combination of both. I think we I think we do have that ha, have that ability now. So I'm like you said, because he's back, he doesn't just play one way. You know, he likes to run the channels and run at defenders, and at the same time, he picks and chooses his time to drop in and link up play. He has that sort of footballing IQ at this point in his career. So, you know, I said it before he got injured that he was ready to pop for Chelsea, and now he's back, and I think he's even hungrier than before. So God help everyone else in the Premier League because I think. I think he's I think he's on to something. To, to add on to that, I, this, I know this isn't a big deal, it doesn't matter, but if I were too cool, I would have let Rom take that last pen. You know, he'd put in all the work, he earned the penalty, he's back from injury, he scored his first goal, give him his double. I mean, what do you guys think? I thought about it at the moment but then at the same time Tuchel's a very principled manager he's going to stick to what he knows um and you know Jorginho's cold-blooded I wouldn't choose anyone else to take pens on our team besides Jorginho like if I was a manager he'd be my guy too so you can't really complain I don't know we've gotten so many pens recently that like Jorginho's automatic at this point I get what you're saying. You give the the striker the the boost, whatever. If Jorginho's not on the pitch, sure, have let Lukaku have it. 
Uh, I don't think there that would have been even a hesitation. Question. Yeah. But we've had penalties. I feel like every time that we've scored this month, we've had at least one. And being Lukaku's first match back, like I hate to be like the half, like the glass half empty. But like if he were to miss a pen, like then we're talking a different kind of thing. Like if Jorginho misses a pen right there, we would be like, oh, Emmy Martinez blocked the first, like, missed the first one, blah, blah, blah. If we just give it to Lukaku and Lukaku misses, like I could just see the headlines writing themselves. Like let him be the guy that earned the penalty to, to you know, to walk us off the pitch. Like yeah, I'll take yeah. that storyline any day. Uh, by the way, Jorginho is the first player in Premier League history to score 10 penalties in a single calendar year. So wow. can we make can yeah. we still make fun of Bruno? Oh yeah, <laughs> we definitely can. Bruno doesn't even have that anymore, or does he yeah, have I that? Yeah, I think he lost it. We uh, he skied oh, too many over the bar. <laughs> we we actually uh, Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme, had something to say about that. He wrote <laughs> he wrote to us on Twitter. He said, "And anyone who tries to say that Bruno's better than the Don." Just needs to look at this game and see how Martinez tried twice to get into his head, and he still put two in the net, unlike that other fraud. So that and, that, and, that answers your question, Zach. <laughs> and they did. He did miss one against Martinez earlier, early in the season. Like there was a, a match, like when United was like quote unquote good. Yeah, and, and it was the 90th minute, and Martinez was the keeper, and he skies it, and then that Ronaldo was the one was where he, pissed. yeah, that was the one where he said, "Are you sure you don't want Ronaldo to take it?" Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think that's the that. one that lost in penalty duties. <laughs> Must have been. Yep, that, that that unique penalty style that Bruno has. That is Bruno created Bruno. all by himself and that no one else has ever done in the history of football. <laughs> I'm sure Maradona has never taken a penalty like that ever. I'm sure he's never, you know, attempted it in training. Or... Wait, are you comparing Jorginho to Maradona right no, now? No, I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just like, 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 I, like, like I hate when they say that he created it. He didn't create it. Like who, who originated every skill move in football? Like, you have to think about it that way. Like, I associate almost every skill move in football to Diego Maradona. Odds are that guy probably tried it in one game. I'm sure he did. If anybody knows that. Yeah, I think think, uh, most most skill moves are originated by Brazilians, one or another. Garincha. Jorginho is (laughs) Brazil-born. He did. He invented the hop and the skip. Uh, Okay, we're talking (laughs) about Jorginho. Um it seems like it's been our first ma- it seems like it's been our first match in a while where we exclusively used Conte, Jorginho and Kovacic as our two midfielders. No Ross Barkley, no Saul, you know, as much as it pains me to say, no Loftus yeah, no, no Loftus cheek. Um just our two of the our three uh you know, prize horses. And it got me thinking the Chilwell injury may have been devastating for us, and I think a lot of people thought that was, you know, the moment of our of our you know collapse, quote unquote. Um, but really, these are the guys who make this formation work. You know, it's 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 and it's the fact that they they complement each other so well. Any combination of the two, it it, it they really complement each other very well. Um, Ron wrote in, uh, another question, uh, the game changed the second big ROM and hashtag Culver crew came on 
how important are these two players to our chances? Um, Zach, you can talk. Um, yeah, I mean, these both of these guys were, well, at least Kovacic was our arguably our best player before he got hurt. I think he was creating the most chances out of midfield up to that point. Um, but I, it, it's kind of clear how important they're going to be. I mean, you saw the impact they had today. You know, Big Rom comes on. I don't know if you want to call it feeding on scraps, but he gets one really good opportunity and scores it. And then, you know, Kovacic kind of shores up that midfield after the Conte injury. We all kind of held our breath and went, oh, shit. But Kovacic comes on and skips a couple challenges, and he looks like he's back into things. So, um, you know, I think they're both extremely important, but just as important as Jorginho and and and, uh, and Conte are as well. I think, you know, all three of those guys need to sort of be healthy at the same time in order for things to work the way they do. Because you can't play, you know, two of them every single match. You've seen what happens. Um, so, you know, with that rotation, sort of like we had in the beginning of the season, um, we just seem to be firing on all on all cylinders because both of our engines, you know, were in there at all times. So, or two of our three engines were in there at all times. So, yeah, I guess that's their sort of importance here. They're they're the kind of engine that makes this team go. Yeah, I, um, I, one thing I wanted to say is like we we all love Loftus Cheek, but a Loftus Cheek Jorginho midfield has no defensive work. And it showed. I mean, after the Juventus match, we lost both Conte and Chilwell, like Sam said, and and we thought, okay, the system is changing because our, you know, our foil to to Reese on the right is gone, and now the wing back situation. But in reality, the Conte coming back has meant less goals through on through since that Juventus game <clears throat> against West Ham, against Watford, against Zenit, and against Leeds we conceded more than two goals. And in none of those matches, we had COVID, nor, neither Kovacic nor Conte play in midfield. Um, I mean, you guys know I love Kovacic. And and it's not just the defensive work rate we're talking about, but something about his game, he's looking forward more. He should have had an assist on Cho today as well. Uh, the press resistance that he's going to be able to bring. I think that there's a reason we felt so confident in our title hopes early this season. And it was because we had this group of three. It could be any mix of these three in that in those two. And we felt like we could win any match. Uh, it adds versatility. It adds, you know, matchup nightmares for certain teams. And, you know, today we saw both what Jorgolo can do. And then when Kovacic came on, also what that the Jovacic <laughs> pivot can do as well. I mean, they bring so much difference in style but they're so effective and i'm excited to have these three guys healthy again and it, it begs the question we got this question actually from um barry brunch at baroque uh, brunch he said how do we distribute playing time to kova conte and Jorginho?" and i i didn't realize that conte came off because of injury i just looked it up it was his knee was flaring up again, but I don't think it was. It's one of those injuries where he's going to be out for a prolonged time. I think it was just more like he was hurting, so they took him off, right? Uh, I I don't know. Sorry to butt in. I I don't know if it. And I'm just speculating here, but right before he started limping, he kind of took a heavy challenge, making a pass, a forward pass, 
I, th I think it might have been the Kovacic too. I'm not sure, but made a pass forward and he got. Well, Kovacic came on too. for Conte, so it wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it couldn't have been him, but I, he got clattered right after he he let the ball go, and right after that, you know, even the commentary mentioned, oh, he doesn't look like he's moving right. So I'm worried that you know it was more of a knock to the same spot that he took the initial one in. So, um, but that's just speculation. Obviously I hope it's precautionary. Uh, yeah. It's good to go back to the question. I think the way you split time is not, if, if two of these guys are starting uh, one nor the other should finish 90 minutes. Meaning if Jorginho starts with Kovacic, one of them needs to be subbed out in the 65th. If, like, you have to keep these guys fresh. Like, we just saw what happens when our midfield isn't working. So I I don't think, you know, you, you got to make sure that the minutes are distributed evenly. Like I said, I don't think the, the performance really dips that much because we know that if needed, Kovacic can play more of the Jorginho role if it's, he's partnered up with Conte. Um, or if he's partnered up with Kovacic and Jorginho, then Kovacic will do a little bit more of the defensive work. So... Again, I think that these guys understand their roles and they understand how their roles change with the, each individual partner. So for me, it's just a matter of let's make sure we don't just run these guys to the ground, rotate 60 minutes to the guy that's going to start the next game and so on and so forth. It's just these guys have to stay healthy at this point. Zach, did you want to answer the question? No, I mean, I I, th I think that's the name of the game is just sort of finding that balance of minutes for players, not letting players play consecutive 90-minute matches or two 90-minute matches in the space of four or five days. That that I think that's been the thing that's sort of hurt us in all of this is, you know, I, I think we asked Jorginho and RLC to play five or six games on the spin with no rest. Um, and, and you saw how that midfield slowly deteriorated from you know, one of our best performances of the season against Juve in the Champions League to, you know, the Drawings shit that... in it. <laughs> exactly. So there's a drop-off for you. It's just a matter of energy levels. And, you know, um, Tuchel's going to have a big task on his hands here. And I think before we were saving Conte for the big matches, I think even more so now, um, you, you, you really have to pick and choose who you play him against and when you play him. Um, you know, because it seems like every time he's going out there, he's picking up something and he's taking some sort of damage. So I, it's sort of a worry to me, honestly. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to like choose between the three of them, which one is most important to the squad, um, because they all have very di they, they all have very, very different roles. They all do completely different things. Like and I said, like I said before, they complement each other very well, you know. But um, it, it, it's it's so I can't really pick which one of the two, which two of the three I would favor. Um, I know last year we did a lot of, you know, who was the best pairing? Was it Jorgolo? Was it was it uh, Jovic? <laughs> was it Jonte? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> no. <laughs> what's 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 Kovacic and Conte? Covante? Covante. We, we, we didn't make a stuff. name for that. <laughs> Covante? Uh, I, I just think, like, 
the difference here, and you know, I just talked about the wingers and playing those guys to the ground. The difference here is that we don't expect goals from Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte. Their role is totally different. Like they, they are because of their role in the system, where their role is, you know, winning the ball back, possession based, um, kind of letting, facilitating for others. I don't think they need that much of the touches on the ball as uh of you know our tens and our strikers do because in this position you can quote unquote have a bad day in the office offensively and still drop like an eight out of ten performance yeah, like if I, Kovacic I, misses a, a the target we're not going to be like oh that was it that was the game winner it's like okay it's Kovacic like he's not good at shooting right I think uh they take a lot of pride in in the fact that they play that way and mm-hmm. um you know, like they get a lot of leeway as well because, I mean, we see it, but obviously if we see it, Tuchel sees it as well. Their contributions to the team are much more than just scoring. You know, I mean, if you take away Jorginho's, uh, you know, penalties, then you just have a couple random world-class screamers from Conte out of those three. And, you know, those are the only goals that they're contributing to really. I mean, not really even much, many assists either. So, um, just three very humble, confident, fucking talented midfielders, and I think I love all three of them equally. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that way always, uh, but in the past, you know, it's twelve months. That's how it's been. Um, all right, let's uh move ahead to some more Twitter questions. <clears throat> this one that was a uh, me clearing my throat and coughing at the same time um because we have a leonard cohen question so i gotta get my leonard cohen voice going dear pod with reports that roma bramovich is quote very interested in bringing eden hazard back to the bridge for a reported 21 million pounds is the pod in on hazard coming back or does the pod think nothing gold can say um so is this like the 15th 16th time we've got this this similar question question in the past year uh not from leonard specifically but in general because this rumor comes up every window every every week no every (laughs) week i feel like this comes up even my dad texts me he's like Oh, Eden Hazard's coming back? And I'm like, Dad, please. <laughs> he, got, he got a notification on his phone from an app saying that. And I'm like, Dad, it's that comes up every week. It's like, I hate seeing that. It's I mean, over, there's guys. hardly enough time to go around for these guys. when they're Right. Like, how are we going to fit Hazard into the equation? Let, let's add another out-of-form winger to our out-of-form winger problem. Yeah. Great. As much as I love him. And his 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 behind, which is massive. My oh, fiance yeah. misses that. She actually brought it up today. <laughs> Your ass wasn't funny. big enough, huh? No, no, unfortunately. <laughs> she uh she was a big fan of uh, Eden Hazard, Ivanovic. Um, she, she must love Gary Lukaku Kato, and Conte Kato, though. Ross Barkley. She was a fan of Ross Barkley as well. Lukaku and Conte though, they she must love. Yeah, um, hasn't really mentioned anything about Lukaku. She has a Conte jersey, though. But, anywho, um, 
I completely forgot what I was going to say. I got stuck talking Hazard. about Hazard's ass. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so look, engulfing, I know. But look, it. here's the thing. I love him to death, legend. I'll only have good things to say about him because he's only done good things for the club and only said good things about the club. But come on, guys. It's a 31-year-old out-of-form player who's been constantly injured the last, what, 24 to 36 months. He's been out of form. He's hardly been scoring goals and has zero resale value. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, people want to quote like, oh, well, we brought Drogba back. And it's like, listen, a winger versus like a poacher style striker, totally different roles. It's not like Hazard gets to just hang out and then wait for the ball to be passed to him. And then he just shoots. He has to cover distance. Like there is no way. Uh, hazard in a second stint would give you the highlights that he did the first time around. Like his body's not the same anymore, unfortunately. And second of all, he's been playing in a league that doesn't keep the same tempo or physicality as the premier league. So even though he's been there before now with this new kind of like injury situation and, and lack of game time, it just wouldn't be the same. And then what are you going to do? Destroy his legacy? Like, no, let the guy be a legend and we'll love him for it. Like, that's it. He'll be mm -hmm. the kind of guy that talks great about Chelsea forever. Let it be that. Yeah, yeah. he'll be he'll be another Michael Ballack, where he'll basically be yes. a fan for life. Yeah. And, you know, like I saw I saw uh, a highlight of an Eden Hazard goal um, the other day. It was against West Ham when oh. uh, uh, Conte stole the ball, dribbled it up, passed it to Hazard. Hazard did a quick one-two with Pedro. And he ran all the way from the left side of the pitch across all of every center back to the right side and got it past the keeper. Um, like, <laughs> that is not a poacher goal. And that is not a goal Eden Hazard can do in 2021, soon to be 2022. Um, there's just no way. And that was, that was the Eden Hazard that we had. That's the Eden Hazard I will remember and cherish. Not the current Eden Hazard. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But but if if not Eden Hazard, then who do you want? I mean, we can look forward to the summer transfer window, where it looks like we're going to lose transfer. Winter. Win we still well, have I'm, a January I'm, window. I know. I'm saying. I'm saying before we talk about winter, like we can look forward to summer. You know, bringing Kunde, because you know we're probably going to lose Rudy to Madrid. I already know it. We're probably losing Christensen to Barca, or we could. Um, there is also Dave rumors to Barca, but that one seems less likely. But the more pressing transfer window is this winter, like you mentioned. Um, and I saw some rumors. I don't know how much I believe them. But Teo Hernandez is a name that's being brought up. And I've seen price ranges between 20 to 40 million pounds. Um, I've seen... Marina has been given, you know, 45, 40, you know, up to 50 million uh, pounds to play around with uh, this this transfer window. My hopes right now are very low on a Chilwell return this season. So I think it makes a lot of sense and maybe uh, actually a necessary buy because we can not we cannot play Marcus Alonso every match. I mean, hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's one, he, he's not gonna be able to make it. And two, 
I don't want him to play <laughs> any more than once every four matches. Um, so I mean, the, that Taylor Hernandez is a name. I would I would fucking love that move. But again, it it, it it's a gamble because we don't know if Ben Chilwell is going to be able to come back this year, guys. Zach, what do you think? Um, I have been seeing murmurings that Chilwell is going to be training to just kind of or going to return to training soon just to kind of see where he's at in his recovery um so they can make a decision there listen but that was the plan just be listen just because that rumor exists is already a positive because that means that they're still unsure whether or not he can play but that was the plan zach we we knew that like days after he got hurt that was going to be the plan that's why he avoided surgery and uh, so how's this new and we're still on track because they were telling us before and they're still telling us now that if all is well, he will come back in January, February. Yeah, so how is this how is this right new? This is this just is this is the status quo. This is what we thought the was gonna happen. The fact that he's going to training and not going straight into surgery is a positive. Yeah, At this I know, point, of course. They're they've seen enough to say, you know what? You can go back to training if you're not if, if you're feeling relatively pain free. Let's get you on the pitch. Let's get you kicking a ball. Let's get you doing light drills, maybe some jogging, things like that. And by the way, sorry to cut you off. I think he also caught. I also I think he also caught COVID. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So that's (laughs) another thing to add on to it. But yeah. um, So, anyways, I don't know. Here's my thing. uh, Jack Grealish probably. What was that? Probably from partying with Jack Grealish because he was out with like Bill Foden and they were oh, posting Newcastle. pictures on on Ben Chilwell's Instagram over his birthday of them both at the club. Uh, might be it, but kind of going back to the whole transfer rumor, Tail Hernandez thing. Um, I could see us going into the window and maybe looking at a at a potential uh, left uh, left wing back buy, but not someone at the caliber of Tail Hernandez or someone that's even at the a club like Taylor Hernandez is at AC Milan is only four points back um, in the title challenge. And Taylor Hernandez was their player of the season last year. And he's arguably the le- best left back in that league. Um, if the price is 20 to 40 million, that's bullshit. I don't think the best left back in the <laughs> league goes for 20 to 40 million. Um, and he, he signed Premier till 2024 league, too. to 55. Yeah. He signed till 2024 as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit of bullshit. Um, but uh, I won't be surprised if we get linked with more names at that position, just based on what we've seen the last few matches. Especially if Chilwell can't come back. Um, I was gonna say the the profile fits right. Like he's a very attacking left back, very physical. He's also have has the size to where, you know, should it become and obviously these are very big hypotheticals, but let's say he does sign Chilwell's back healthy. He could also be a profile for left center back. If we stick to this yep, system, he's exactly. six foot tall, he's massive. Mm-hmm. And we His brother are, plays center back. He played center back before. My And, and my point is like Rudiger's gone. Um, I don't believe Kunde's naturally left footed. Not that Rudiger was either is either, but you would think that if we're going to replace him, maybe this time around, we'll think, okay, like, left-sided center back whether it's a back four back three maybe a left foot would be a nice little plus tail again massive physically um 
again, has kind of that speedy defender uh, trait, kind of like how Rudiger is, you know, kind of a quick guy off the left side. So I get the profile. I do think that this is all BS, <laughs> but I like that that's the profile that is going around the rumor mill. Whether I mean, or not he's a top-notch fullback, yeah. Whether or not it's true, I'm going to personally choose to believe <laughs> that it's true out of complete ignorance. But I think the more pressing question is, let's say Ben Chilwell, they, you know, they, they, they test him out. They say, you're not returning this year. Let's get surgery. Is there any way at all we challenge for the Premier League, we challenge for Champions League, with Marcos Alonso being our only option at left wing back? There's yeah. no way. We we have to buy someone, guys. This is our most pressing issue at the moment. Uh, and I guess I mean I said earlier that the midfield was more important than our left wing back, but Marcus Alonso, since he's you know he had an amazing start to the season, but since Ben Chilwell's injury and you know he was th- uh, thrusted back in the starting lineup, he's been very disappointing, and he's looked like the Marcus Alonso that a lot of us did not like at one point. Well, well, I think the thing with Marcus Alonso is if you stick him in a team that's fully functional, he can sort of hit the ground running. But if he is playing in a team that has any sort of dysfunction, he seems to be one of the culprits. And he, I think that's where he found himself here. It's like our whole midfield disintegrated, and Marcus Alonso has to sort of come into the equation after Chilwell's injury um, in the midst of an injury crisis in the midfield, center midfield. And... You know, I mean, we can't defend for our lives. I mean, he's being pinned back constantly. Teams are pressing him high. And, you know, one and two touches just isn't his game. And that's what he's been being forced to do, I feel like. Sorry, just a little rant, Andres. No, I, I think – I just think it's funny because I think the opposite. I think Marcus Alonso performs when everyone else doesn't. So whenever <laughs> the team is clicking and you bring Marcus Alonso to the equation, everyone around him starts looking poorly. Like – we mm. talked about how his performances hadn't been good, but then the games where we squeaked a win, it was like a Marcos Alonso assist or like a Mark- Marcos Alonso amazing touch that then led to an assist. So it's just like, I think it's the opposite where if the team is in turmoil and Marcos Alonso's in there, usually he'll perform better. But then when the team is clicking and then you bring in Alonso out of nowhere, he kind of just changes the dynamic mm. because he is slow, not only just physically, but like, mental aspect of the game as well like he never just takes a one or two touch play he has to like really think about things unless he's inside the box for yeah in the attacking sense definitely not the defensive sense but i i in terms of january i mean the deo hernandez rumor is great but i think the rumor that's probably gonna come kind of kind of come stronger is the lucas digne situation in everton i'm pretty sure they signed some ukrainian left wing back or left back digne and Rafa Benitez don't even speak. He's Premier League proven, has a mean cross. No, he's not going to light up the world, but I think he's much more serviceable than Marcos Alonso. And yeah, I mean, at this point, we need to sign someone. This isn't like a Danny Drinkwater or a Poppy Gil Joby, like Joe Boji or whatever his name was. It's just a legend. It's more of a safe pick. <laughs> like, you're not going to get like a 10 out of 10 <laughs> legend. <laughs> You're not going to get a 10-10 season out of Digne at this like at a Chelsea level, but you can get like a 
good backup. Like our our it's kind of like how Zinchenko comes in at City and you don't really think twice. Oh, I think you're doing him a disservice. I think I think at some point last season we were talking or not we but the talk of the town was I, how good you Dine was. <laughs> you were talking you no, listen. You love Dine. We were we've been linked with him before and he is one of the better left backs in the Premier League. He is. No, I, I mean, we agree. Yeah, so 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 we're not talking about bringing Joe Schmo here, Zinchenko. No, it, it, it's not square pegs and round holes. It's a it's a it's a left back who's going to be playing in his position. I mean, he's played in back threes before, so it's nothing you know new to him. But it's a guy that's going to be playing in his natural position, who's already sort of hit the top level of his game. So we we know what we're getting. He's going to be, I don't know. I'm talking as if we're getting him already. And I haven't seen any rumor of going after someone like him. Um, I haven't seen a rumor of that, which is very surprising. Like it's, it's shocking. Like, I mean, we saw uh, Serginio Dest rumors, you know, that we haven't talked about that, but that that's apparently gone away. Oh, that's true. How, how, how does Barca have money to buy players? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. That's what they're trying to read. They're trying to sign them up to a new deal. Massive investment, but that's to like build a new stadium. So like the Camp Nou is probably going to be called like the Uber Eats Camp Nou. But um, the unfortunately for us or anybody linked to Sergino Des, apparently Xavi spoke to him and was like, "Don't worry about your injury. Like get healthy, and you have a spot on this team." I honestly just think Xavi has to keep everybody happy because he knows it's like a dumpster fire. It's bullshit. He's gonna play the Spanish kids. He, he he's gonna he's gonna try and replicate what what Pep did and have the Spain starting eleven at Barcelona. Eh, whatever. And take credit for the national team. <laughs> I don't know, man. We I'm just I we need a left back, and I am not seeing enough rumors um, for any left backs. Like, if Teo Hernandez is the one name that's popping up. I'm sticking my flagpole into Teo Hernandez. I would <laughs> buy his jersey immediately. You're he might be flagpole into Teo Hernandez directly into him from behind. <laughs> I'll let him. It. I'll let him stick his flagpole in me. Okay, let's yeah. let's let's we'll put leave it at that. Um, all right. Here's the next question. Um, this one's from Black at Black Emoji. Uh, he says, how much longer can we rely on penalties? Or is this the moment we beat the Winter Blues? Uh, Zach, it, it, it has been a pressing issue that we can only score off penalties, it seems like, recently. I I, I think we have to kind of come to terms that this team's only going to win ugly at the moment. You know, we, we see Manchester City and Liverpool kind of blow teams away when they get the opportunity to. They put four or five past them. City scored six today, and fucking there Arsenal was nine scored goals five. In that, there was nine goals in that match today. Yeah, yeah, it was. It <laughs> looked it, like a I, damn FIFA game. I still haven't watched the highlights. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch them after this probably. But still, um, I, I think we just have to come to terms with that. We're gonna win matches ugly. It, it, we're gonna have to roll up our sleeves and defend at times, and at other times we're just gonna miss clear goal scoring opportunities unless your name's Romelu Lukaku. So um I think I, I think this is the light at the end of the tunnel though in terms of results. I think the fact that we got Lukaku back, the fact that, you know, at one point in this game I, I thought to myself, wow, like we have 
you know, Kovacic back on the pitch. We have Conte back on the pitch. You know, we have, you know, all these guys back that we've been saying are the reason why we've been having this dip in form. Um, it, it, it's just, it's good. So I think there's just more of a positive air here. Um, and that's the most important thing. It's building, right? It, it's not getting all your momentum back in one foul sweep. It's these little, you take them in little bits and pieces and you put them together and eventually you build it into something great. So I think we take this and we build on it. You know, it's it, it's a win. Granted, it wasn't a clean sheet, but I thought overall we defended well. Would have been a clean sheet if we didn't get an own goal scored against us. And there you go. Um, you know, you take the three points and you move on. Your striker's back in form and guys are coming back and, you know, hopefully staying healthy. Um, I think it's definitely more of like beating the winter blues. I think Lukaku's back. I'm pretty sure Kai Havertz has already tested negative for COVID, so he should be back as well. So the moment, I think it literally gets better in terms of the goal scoring and the flow of the attack the moment you stop forcing Pulisic to be a center forward. I, I just, it worked. I, I talked about it the very first time we did it. He came on against a tired Leicester with a full back line of yellow cards, which is the only reason Pulisic looked amazing as a center forward in the Premier League. Just the physicality's not there. Oh, but he's about the same height as Aguero. Aguero's also a stocky, like, bulldog build. Like, it's a different kind of thing. Not everybody that is below six foot is built the same. Uh, get the players back to their natural position, and this team starts clicking. Like uh, one of you guys mentioned just now, it's slowly building back up. Our midfield is potentially healthy now. Our back line looks like it's healing up. But hopefully, Chalaba can finish a 90-minute match soon. And, and hopefully, and, uh, yeah. Thiago Silva's injury isn't bad. Right. So, again, like luckily for us, I think the back three, for the most part, can be more plug-and-play. But the moment we get actual forwards playing where they should be, I think that these goals will will come more naturally again, even though we will still miss plenty <laughs> of chances. Yep. If the, there's one thing that's for sure, we will miss chances. Um, all right, this next one is from Ronnie Ashworth. Um, he's now at CFC Ronnie, formerly at Huey98758. Thank God, because uh, I had a really tough time reading 98758. Um, and make exactly. sure I memorized this, this username. <laughs> yeah, I memorized it. I had this. I, I stopped copying and pasting it. <laughs> Just put Huey. Uh, he said, "Hola from Valencia, Spain. I changed my Twitter name just for you. Yeah. <laughs> Love that." Now I wonder if he lives in Valencia, from Valencia, or if he's just there on vacation. Probably vacation. Um, yeah, I don't know. He said, pictures." Yeah, he said, "Important win today." See who's fit for Liverpool game. Put Pulisic out wide and it just works. Question. Is the challenge for the Prem back on? So, looking at the table, City with on top with 47 points, plus 38 goal differential with eight wins in a row. Madness. Oh. And just as a reminder, our preseason preview, I personally picked city to win it um liverpool 41 points with a game in hand uh plus 35 goal dif differential and chelsea tied with uh liverpool on points but again liverpool with a game in hand uh we got plus 29 goal differential 
We've only gotten eight points in our in our last five matches. So uh, out of a possible fifteen points, we've dropped seven. That's the difference between us being in third and us being top of the table, top of the table. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, six points is not a lot. It's definitely. I mean, we were ahead by six points and we lost it. Um, you know, th- I think, which is the one thing that that's crazy is like how much we talked about our depth and, you know, how much we bragged about it at the beginning of the season. And now and we ended up realizing that our depth wasn't as good as we previously thought. Um, and I'm looking at city and their depth is the real deal. So, you know, if you, if they go through an injury bug like we did, I don't think it'll hurt them as bad as it hurt us. I don't even us. think they had a COVID bug. I, I was about to say, have they what had an injury well, bug? Well, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that it's a, it, it might be inevitable that they have an injury spell. But if it does happen, I don't think it'll hurt them as bad as it hurt injury us. Injury spell, huh? Wink, wink. Winking? Yeah, I'm, I'm putting a spell. No, just kidding. No, um, no. I know you're not wishing COVID on the Man City team, but if it did, a case or two, <laughs> no, maybe a case kidding. or two, they have dinner all together. <laughs> Jesus. Something, just, someone accidentally grabs another person's drink. You know, that's where it starts, and <laughs> things get crazy. <laughs> oh God! But um, um yeah, is, is, is the challenge on? Listen, here's here's how I see it. I I mentioned this to you guys, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on air. There's something about how this Manchester City team is built, and they're built to win the league. Like, you think Manchester City, I think usually the league and the Carabao Cup. Somehow they're out. They they got eliminated, I think, in pens by West Ham. So they're not going to win the Champions League because they just never do. Pep gets two in his head, blows it. But when it comes to the league, they're playing without a striker week in and week out, and they're still dropping an average of at least three goals a match. And we complain about not care. having a striker. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know how I, you're dismissing I, them from the Champions League so easily. Listen, because they, they're cursed. They're anyway. the only team this season that have been as dominant in their league as Bayern, in my opinion. They were like what? that every, they were like that every year, yeah. and they still lose. Anyway, I don't know, man. Look, I, wait, let let Andres finish his point. The final last year, if they if if they get the right luck and match up against the team uh, that has the injury bug, or let Andres finish his point. Listen, yeah, my point is, City's built to win the league. I don't think that their depth is much better than ours. I just think they've not faced as many injuries as we have. But I think this Chelsea team is still very much immature when it comes to how they approach league matches. But when it comes to cup matches, it's a different story. They understand what's on the line every time. Like even uh, when we had the Carabao Cup against, uh, or yeah, the Brentford match, we looked much better even with the backups. Like even Saul played well in that match. There's something about Chelsea when it comes to cups that they just show up. They win those tough games, whether it goes to pens, whether it's just dominating somebody that we shouldn't or playing ugly and getting the win. But something about like a quote unquote like two run two match run of bad performances in the league, it like kills Chelsea versus 
City who can have one day off, lose a game, and then they're back to winning by 50 goals. I don't think we're catching City. I don't. I simply don't. I'm not saying that means that we're a failure because I think we are far and above are going to be comfortable in second or third place by the by the time this season ends. I think that the success of this season is going to be measured by trophies in the cabinet at the end of it all, whether it's the Carabao, we should, which we should be going all out for, FA Cup, Club World Cup, and Champions, you know, League. Champions League. Like That's where we're going to be successful. We show up for elimination games, but then the night in Molyneux, we can fall asleep even though that we took 30 shots. None of them go in because we just suck at finishing, whatever you want it to be. But then a night in Madrid, we wake up and put three past Courtois. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're catching City either. But mathematically, historically, yes, technically we are still in it. Yeah, because so, I mean, eight matches in a, eight matches and I mean, eight wins in a row. Like what are they are they gonna win out the rest of the season? No. No, they're no, gonna drop points. Exactly. They're gonna get injuries. So it's it's definitely not it's 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 not over. It's not but over. I wouldn't I, but saying. I but I think we're all on the same page where it's not likely. And that's yeah. very unfortunate because it's all due to the stretch that we've been in. And it's very unfortunate. You know, like I I've just mentioned, we dropped seven points in our last five matches. That's the difference between us being in first and us being in third. And it's that tough. sucks. Hey, Zach mentioned Bayern. The Bundesliga, they can – Bayern right now, I saw a thing where it said like the the second – the fourth place team is closer to relegation than they are to Bayern. Hmm. No, like it's crazy. Yeah. It's But it, it's different. It's different. Like winning a league, like you have to be – you have to be on your game every single day no matter what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. I still think our team is very young, regardless of what you think. Like, the players that are playing right now, outside of Thiago Silva... Whoa, I feel like I'm being personally attacked right now. Yeah, we, all, we know we're young. <laughs> regardless what you of what you think. Did I say the team was old? I didn't say anything about you, Zach. This is a general <laughs> statement. Oh, okay. <laughs> You did say you did say you, Andres. Yeah, you said it in a way like into the void. I'm speaking into a microphone. Whoever's listening could be the you. I'm saying like our leaders right now are like not even in the prime of their careers. Like we're talking a Mason Mount, a a Reese James. Like those guys haven't lifted a Premier League trophy. Like they don't understand like the psyche that goes into that. And like I'm sorry, but like Conte isn't gonna walk into a room and like. No, drop a freaking gladiator style speech to, to hype these guys up like that's just not who right, he is right right um so Imagine. i just think like we're we're kind of in that boat like pep is like the ultimate league winner like that that goes into something you know so we're getting we're getting there we're closing the gap far quicker than i thought we would after the tragedy that was like the post sorry like transfer like window ban and all that so to me, like we're still on track. Like you look at XG charts of like goals for and then like XGs of like goals conceded. We are like there is a massive gap between the 17 other teams and the three best teams, which are us, Liverpool, and City. And to me, that's a big win. Like even the numbers outside of games tell me that we're in the right place. Like we're not outperforming, like we're not playing like shit and winning. 
we're winning games that we should be winning. It's just a matter of like, well, shit, for a month, we lost all of our players in form. I think mm. we're like a step away, yeah. And honestly, I think if Chilwell stays healthy, we're probably still top of the league. And here's another thing. We're in a very, very important stretch right now. I mean, after the, the, the Brighton game midweek, we have Liverpool over the weekend. Then we have two legs of Carabao Cup against Tottenham, plus an FA Cup matchup with uh, Chesterfield. And then we play City on the 15th. So that's mm-hmm. like a little over Good two Good chance weeks. to catch up. If we can beat City, that does Which cut Tuchel the... Which Tuchel loves to do. Yeah, that does that does cut the the lead in half. Um, that would be that would put us right back in it. City are out of the Carabao Cup, so they're not going to have those two midweek matches that we're going to have. So advantage City by far. Rudiger wins us two penalties. We win two one. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Um, you heard it I, here first. Kai Havertz scores on City. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's if he's recovered from through ball up the middle, going it off the keeper, tap it in. Ruben Neves is gonna have like PTSD going into that game, and then we're good, man. Or not, (laughs) it's Ruben Diaz. Sorry, Ruben Neves. Sorry, speaking of Ruben Neves, there was a rumor of him coming to Chelsea. Talked about January transfers. That was a random ass rumor, but that was rumor. I mean, that's random. Um, All right, last question. This one's another one from Ron. Uh, He said, "Who's been your player of the year so far?" While I know J5 and Mace have been great, I got to go with Silva. Curious to hear your take. Zach, who's your player of the year so far? Rudiger. Rudiger? He's been the most readily available. He's consistently been in form. He hasn't really had a bad match for us. He's won penalties. He's scored goals. Uh-huh. And he's about to leave us because we won't pay him 180000 a week. Oh, uh, I don't think that's the number. Mm-hmm. What is the number? I saw, I saw, I saw that three. he offered one forty, and he wants one eighty. Three? I've seen, I've, I've seen upwards of three. Bro, how he's, he's asking for? He's wanting Alaba money, dude. Like it's okay. I, well, then... I don't think we're being ridiculous in the in the negotiations. We'll I think he is. All right. Well, then, Andres, your player of the season so far. I think it's still Reese James. I think yeah, like he's he's escalated his season, his like talent and his output. He's hell. He's even had to play center mid for us, but I mean, the guy is, is on track to have a, a career season, and if as a fullback he can finish the season with ten goals, ten assists, that's just nuts. So yeah, he's I'm scoring, still- he's assisting, he's defending, and he's doing what Zach said. He's readily available. His availability is is the most important aspect of his game right now, especially uh, with Chilwell out. Yeah, uh, my picks Reese James as well. Um, yeah, can't argue. Yeah, no, exactly. Rudiger is also a great shout. Um, all right, we'll finish Mason up. Mason not a close second for me. Just saying, like it's not. I'm not dismissing that uh, mm-hmm. shout from from Ron. I think Reece, uh, Mason during this tough time, we could have dropped more points if it wasn't for the form he's been in since that Juventus match. Right, right. No, no Saul. It's an evil laugh. I just I can't stand the guy anymore. I love. So it seems like a great guy. Just can't stand him. Um, I'm over him. I'm over him. I'm very over. I love. Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen like every time that 
Saul and Barkley are having a bad game recently. People have found this tweet from Chelsea from like 2017 where like two uh, pitch invaders got on the field. <laughs> and it's like the comment is something like, it was like two, two idiots. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll try to continue play soon or something like yeah. that. <laughs> two idiots like, are on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's from the official Chelsea tweet. <laughs> that's so good. Um, all right. We'll finish up the episode with a preview uh, midweek matchup against Brighton at the bridge. Um, after a hot start, Brighton have fallen to ninth in the table now with only one win in their last 11 matches. Um, so yeah, I, I messed that up, but um, nil, nil draw uh, against Leeds one, one draw against West Ham one, one draw against Southampton. 0-1 loss to Wolves and a 2-0 win against Brentford today. Um, so that's been their only win in their last five. Um, so looking at Brighton, what's uh, what's stuff to look out for um, with with their squad, guys? Uh, Zach? Uh, well, they play attacking football, um, or at least they try to. Um so that's something that, you know, maybe they're going to be a little bit more open against us, maybe more willing to press us high and win the ball in the attacking areas as opposed to sitting deep and just trying to hit us on the counter. Um, but other other than that, I mean, you know, they've had their fair share of, of COVID issues as well. You know, it's been a huge problem for them. Um, I know their outbreak was more recent than ours, I think, right? Didn't they get a – Didn't wasn't their prior game canceled to this? Was not mistaken. Were they playing Leeds? They've of... they've lost. They they're behind two matches. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They've had a few matches. So, you know, they've had their own issues. Maybe that's to say why they've had a dip in form. Who knows? But the bottom line is, I think everybody is going to put up their best game against the cha- the champions of Europe. So, um, you know, other than that, I I don't really know what else to say about them. <laughs> If you go back and watch the game today against Brentford, one of their goals was absolutely ridiculous from Trossard. Trossard the keeper goal. from outside the 18, yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, you know they're gonna they're gonna press us high and they're gonna attack. That's something that we haven't seen before from them. So, all right, well then, Andreas, how about lineup predictions? Uh, you know, keeping in mind okay. Liverpool this weekend, Tim, Timo and Kai. Still are out with COVID. There's no update yet as to whether they can return this weekend. But we know last time Kai got COVID, it took him a while to get back in shape. RLC was still out. No update on him yet. Ziesh was on the bench today, but he didn't play. So it looks like he's likely, likely partially fit. So with all that in mind, what you know, what do you predict uh, our lineup okay. to look like? I'm thinking... Mendy in goal because it'll be his last match with us until after AFCON. Um, Rudiger, Christensen. Um, False. They just announced that he'll be available for the Liverpool match. Sorry. Okay. Well, regardless, he's still there. So yeah. Mendy. <laughs> still, uh, yeah. you, you play Mendy until he leaves. Um, so I'm saying Rudiger, Christensen. Chalaba got pulled at half as well, again. So I, I'd say you, you rest him leading into Liverpool. So I'll say Aspie at the back. Jorginho and Kovacic to start. Same thing. You got to rest Conte a little bit before no Saul. Liverpool. No, no Saul. <laughs> Alonso on the left, Reese on the right, Cho on the left, Mount on the right, Lukaku up front. Lukaku, really? 
Yeah, Lukaku starting. You don't rest him? Oh. He's no. a man of his word. He says you got to play the hot hand for Cho. Same thing goes with Lukaku. I, I think Lukaku needs to get a full 90. Like, I, I yeah. think at this point, like, it, he's building the, the fitness. Like, it's a little bit different than playing multiple games going into Liverpool. He's just trying to get back up to 90 minutes. So I think you start him, and then you'll probably put Ziyech or Pulisic at striker. So, you know, he'll get subbed out. I don't think he'll finish the 90, but he starts. Yeah. That's a fair point. I mean, how many days between the two matches? It's uh, it's just four days between matches. Now, so, I'll even tell you my subs. Jorginho gets subbed out for Conte because Jorginho mm-hmm. needs well, to get rested. Hope that that's assuming Conte is fit. Fair. So I'll say I'll say Jorginho gets subbed. Lukaku gets subbed, and if and actually Hopefully. and Alonso Alonso because Alonso never finishes ninety minutes. Those are the three subs. He did today. No, well, even more of a reason to rest than before Liverpool. <laughs> Those are my three. Zach, any any uh, arguments? I think Andres kind of hit it. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, okay, so score predictions. Two I nil. feel I feel good about this one. Um, the fact that we have Lukaku back means that if we create chances, we'll score. Um. I'm gonna say we get our first Premier League clean sheet in a while. It goes two nil. Yeah, two nil at the Bridge. I think getting one at home with like a very dominant, like dominant performance, you know, possession wise, creating chances. And we had a clean sheet against Wolves, but yeah, maybe the sun will come out. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Three, I'm gonna go two three, nil. Yeah, I like three nil. Um, Ooh. but, um, I, I, hopefully we record midweek so we could, uh, do the Liverpool preview, but let, let, let's, uh, all, all, uh, live on air commit to recording midweek. Yeah. Sure. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel bad listeners. Well, I mean, don't you worry. We're back from holiday. We were just, you know, little time. you off. know, we record a lot. We do. Not as much as other podcasts, but we do record a lot. We do. That's fair. Um. All right. Well, Andres, did you give your prediction? I said two nil. Two nil. Okay. Um. So we all uh guess the clean sheet. I think. I think that should be the case. If you're still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um. And until our midweek pod, keep the blue flag flying high.